We're in midsummer, and we've got some hot titles. But first of all, we're going to talk about a legend in music, Charlie Daniels, who sadly passed away this week. And our special guest to share his Charlie Daniels story is Ron Stevens. Yeah, I'm back. Anyone dies, just call me. <laughs> now, I, I don't know how I'm going to follow. It's midsummer, and we have some hot titles. But, um, <laughs> We'll talk to our guest, Ron Stevens, about Charlie Daniels. And around minute 21, we'll talk about The Empire Strikes Back as the number one movie and new releases. Around minute 30, we'll talk about the state of concerts in the area. Around minute 37, we'll get into the movies, starting with The Old Guard. Around minute 46, Mucho Mucho Amor. Around minute 51, Greyhound. Around minute 56, Palm Springs. At one hour and two minutes, Relic. At one hour and six minutes, we didn't get to see First Cow. Around one hour and seven minutes, St. Louis Filmmakers Showcase featuring The Hill and Dad Eat Dog. And then around one hour and 14 minutes, what's coming up this week? So Casey in the 70s played a lot of Charlie Daniels. Right. But did they ever play Devil Went Down to Georgia? Well, that came out later after well that was that like 78 out, was it 78 79 79 okay well you know Casey often back then that was a pop song would no. play no but there were i could name a lot of pop songs that Casey. i mean Casey played uh, carol king for crying out loud yes a lot mm -hmm. so we did play that stuff but we were we had you were uh, one ear curve. tuned into yeah to mm -hmm. you know kslq and kdi and if they were getting too heavy on it we would back off right you know because but it, but that, it helped that, that's, the how, that's how it used to be. You'd be ahead yeah. of the curve. Right. And I think the point is kind of like that now. They, they'll yeah. play the Killers or the Panic at the Disco song when it first comes out. And then once Y98 is playing right. it, once once it's too mainstream, yeah. then they back off. Because they're on the next single yeah. by then. Right. And, and exactly. And that's what we would do. We would look for the next track. We'd start getting a little deeper in the album. Uh, a good example is... Um, uh, Ozark Mountain Daredevils. We ended up playing every damn track on every album because... Jackie you know, there, there's stuff everywhere. would go and boom, you start moving down and it's like, well, that song's good. Well, that song's good. Well, that song's good. So you'd stay with it. Well, Charlie Daniels was at the Mississippi River Festival and he played at Kaskaskia College in Centralia, Illinois. Wow. What I didn't know, and I picked this up, I, I turned on 60s on 6 on um, Sirius XM. Cousin and they were, playing, <laughs> they were playing a song that Charlie Daniels did a single in 1955. What? Yes. He was recording... In the mid-50s. He considered himself a country rocker, but country music took him, took a shine to him. Yeah. But he, when he played, last time he was here was at River City Casino, and I introduced that show, and it was a rock show. It was not a country show. True, but how many other acts can you name in the rock genre that uh, the lead of the act is wearing a cowboy hat and playing a fiddle? With a giant belt buckle. <laughs> Bigger than my head. And a giant belly. Yeah, he was a big. He was a big man. He was but, a big guy. But he was also larger than life too. He was. He was a personality. Right, and and that big guy personality that he had really played well into the first story that I was going to relate of Charlie Daniels, uh, back in the early seventies when we first started playing Charlie Daniels. He agreed to come in to play at one of our kite flies. Yeah. Interestingly, we had Rush opening for Charlie Daniels. I mean, <laughs> oh, my goodness. But so, 74, 75? That was 74, mm -hmm. I think. Some people say it was 75. Kiss was the year before, and I believe that was 73. And that's, so. that's the one where uh, Mark Close looked and said, hmm, this this electronics is yeah, probably right. going to explode. The, the, the generators <laughs> were popping off one at a time. We were down to, like, the last one, and somehow we got through that show. But this year, uh, and, and, and Mark and I worked hard to 
uh, learn from our mistakes. But we had so many mistakes every year. Mm -hmm. And no one cared. It was just something, you know, we knew this could be done better. Uh, the concert or rock concert business was still in its infancy, so yeah. we were allowed to make these mistakes. But the next year, we, we, we moved up to eight porta potties for 80,000 people so, <laughs> yeah, instead of just one porta potty. That's okay. Porty. Yeah. And um, all the acts were staying at the Chase Park Plaza. Now, this was on Aviation Field in Forest Park, mm -hmm. which is right adjacent to Highway 40. As you're going down Farty, Highway Farty. But right there was there. the overpass that was right there, too. Yeah, which is gone now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it, the overpass went over to the arena, uh, the barn. Okay, so we're on that field, and all the acts are staying at the Chase Park Plaza, so it was convenient. And Well, we, not really. It's still two miles away. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like it, but it is the closest hotel. Exactly. So, yeah. And uh, the band shows up. Uh, Rush has already played, and uh, Charlie Daniels' band is there backstage. But Charlie isn't there, mm. and we're not sure what happened to him. And then we, we all had walkie-talkies. That was, you know, no cell phones. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, Mark and I were running the show. And you but probably got him on trade, too. We got everything on trade. Of course. Chase Park Plaza was trade. Every, you th those porta-potties were probably on trade. That's why <laughs> no, we only Close, got eight. Close had him in his backyard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's an awful pot. He's got room back there, though. Now he does. Yeah. Uh, yeah, back then uh, he was in an apartment then. So... <laughs> I, that's another story altogether. Mark Close and Jim Singer and Ted Hobbeck all lived in the same house. What? For, yeah, they all shared a house. I, actually, I think Ted lived across the street. They were on a little cul-de-sac, and they were and all renting houses. And then he met houses. Fern, and he had to move out. <laughs> yeah, she insisted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, so we we get a, a, a notice, a, you know, voice coming on the walkie-talkie, and it was a police officer up on that road just north of Aviation Field, which is all baseball fields right. now. Uh, and we had that blocked off because that was your way in to get to backstage somehow through there. <laughs> and there's, they call and they say there's this big Santa Claus wannabe here saying that he's part of the show and, and wants in, but he doesn't have a stage pass. Turns out he left it back at his room in the chase. Yeah, but his st his face is his stage pass. Yeah, you would think, but no, the, you know, police they officers know. like, no, we're playing by the rules here, guys. Uh, you know, I need someone to verify this is who he says he is. So Ted Hobbig is there, and he's got his motorcycle. He goes, I, I, I'll go get him. I'll go get on my motorcycle and go get him. Well, the only way between here and there was through that crowd. Mm -hmm. There were no roads, which is kind of weird if you think about it because the, the, the whole idea of that was to be able to get acts in there, and they were coming through somehow. But Ted just barrel asses right through the crowd. He's going, yelling, I got to get through. I got to get to Charlie Daniels. I'm getting, and everyone, he became a hero, you know. Mm -hmm. Standing ovation for Ted Hobbit going through the crowd to get <laughs> Charlie Daniels. So it's a great dramatic open. Next thing you know, here he comes back. He's got Charlie Daniels on the back, that big guy on the back wow. of that little scooter. She'll let Charlie drive. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, Charlie's doing low fives with everybody as he goes through. That was the. Yeah, because they're going like five miles an hour, probably. E exactly, right. Or you'd kill somebody mm -hmm. uh, just running into him with Charlie on the back of your bike. Um, and that was his entrance to that show. Now, fast forward, uh, what, 45 years later, <laughs> three years ago, or two and a half years ago. Let's see. No, this is July. So it was two years ago when he played at the Pig Roast? Yeah. Casey Pig Roast, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, well, he had uh, a show also booked at uh, the River City Casino in the, f the coming November. Right. You can't announce the other show till the other one happens. Exactly. That's a rule, and that's a good rule. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. Uh, but Charlie said, uh, you know, I, I got a hold of him and said, we got to put a promo together for mm -hmm. your show in November. He says, well, come meet me backstage at the Pig Roast, which I've never gone to. Never gone to a Casey Pig Roast. 
and uh, I managed, and, and it has nothing to do with Casey, of course. It it's, was just it's, it's the outside. I it's don't in the like, middle of summer. I don't. Yeah, well, I didn't. I, I oh, just, and, and and for a long time, the pig roast was frowned upon because why would you kill your mascot? <laughs> Wow, well, wasn't this supposed to be more like a roast? Like, let me tell you about Sweet Meat. Right. But, I knew him when he was 10 years old. <laughs> but no, that there was, it, it's a huge deal now. Yeah. But for a long time, they hated that name because technically you're killing yeah. and eating your mascot. Wait a minute. Casey hated the name? Yes. Casey came up with the name. That they, they finally acquiesced. That's hilarious. Well, because probably money. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Well, I, I believe Live Nation slash Contemporary wanted to do it for a long time because they because they have all these classic rock packages out there. Yeah, or or they'll create one, and so they look were looking for a name, and I believe it took a lot of cajoling to get them to do that name. Well, when when I finally went to that one of year, those, I saw you that year. Yeah, right. Well, I came in the front gate. And as I'm walking back through that little village area with all the, mm -hmm. you know, buy anything. The VIP. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, you're, talk you're talking about uh, we're going to sell you row. <laughs> Where you have the lemonade stand, you have the yeah, ice, yes, icy yes, stand, yes. you have the beer stand, then you have another beer stand, then you have the merchandise stand, yeah, right. and then you have food, and then another beer stand. And if you're lucky, a restroom somewhere. Oh. Uh, so so I'm, I'm walking through that, but the the main stage show just ended and they're going over to the side stage for Poco. Mm -hmm. All right, so coming everyone's coming toward me as I'm going the other way. This shocked me. There were wheelchairs, there were oxygen tanks, there were crutches, mm -hmm. there were walkers. There was nobody under 60 years old in that crowd except two girls who were like 25, cute as a button, having the time of their life. They were there for the show. Mm -hmm. How, what They must have been daughters of one of the acts. Probably. They had to be. Mm -hmm. But I, I I, was shocked. Now, I know that that particular show was geared for the, right. the older listener. It is. You know, but I just didn't, didn't expect that. Well, I've said this for a while now. That radio station that we both worked mm -hmm. is an oldie station now. It is, but of course you never say that. But it's an oldie station. Yeah, right. They don't play any song newer than twenty years ago. That's true. They don't. Yeah. They don't play any song. Any songs yeah, from this they century. They still have. I mean, there's never been an oldie station like it, though. True. You know, because well, these I mean, those the, people that listen don't consider themselves. We're we're modern, and we're like no, no. You're listening to old music, right? But here's here's another thing about Casey, and then we'll get back to the Charlie Daniels mm -hmm. story. Casey has always been. Casey. Mm -hmm. It's never been the hits of the 60s and 70s and 80s. Uh, or Jim uh, Owen, less music by dead guys because in the well, 90s they were yeah, fighting the point. That, right. Yes. But you get my but, point. Right, right. My point it's is not, it's not like they K made hits. those call letters iconic. Right. Whereas other radio stations, you know, I mean, because I was syndicated on 700 stations across America, I talked to a lot of them. There were many disc jockeys in America working at a radio station and they did not know the call letters mm -hmm. because they never used them. We're the hits of the we're hits of hits of today. Yes, yeah, right. That's my point, mm -hmm. and that's so ephemeral, mm -hmm. you know. Whereas Casey created this iconic four-letter name that lives on, so that's why we don't think of it as oldies because right. we don't describe it that way. But it is. <laughs> but <laughs> they it. don't play any songs from this century at all. Speaking of oldies, though, so that day Charlie Daniels was eighty-three years old when he played at the Pig Roast. Yep. You had an eighty-three-year-old headliner. Yeah. Playing wow the the Casey Pig Rose. so yeah playing songs oldies. from the seventies right 
So I convinced Charlie Daniels backstage. That this is before he went on. He was still, you know, taking time to see people. I know he, t- he spent time oh, yeah. with you and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and learn. And, and, Johnny. And, and, yeah. So Johnny, you, man. We, we got a room off to the side, and we set up our cameras and stuff. And I said, all right, Charlie, here's what I want to do. I want to make it easy for you because you got a show to do. He goes, well, whatever you want to do, fine. I said, I'm going to interview your hat. <laughs> and then you don't even have to be there, but I need you to be the voice of the hat. So here are your lines. Mm-hmm. Just give me the voice, and I'll take it. But at the end— Was this in that uh, air-conditioned room off to the side in the back? Because that's where all the interviews did, because that's where the, the AV no. setup was. No. We, you we, did it backstage? We had a different room. Okay. Uh, because we needed space that we could work with for a while, while so other stuff wasn't coming through. Because We that, were near there, though. That back—it's back, it's, a, it's a shed. Yeah, it's right, an auxiliary yeah. shed, and they—that's where they do all the AV stuff and all the interviews because they can—they can make it sound like they're in the stu- well. Technically, it's a studio. They yeah. make it into a studio, and so they can chop those up and put those on the air, right? Because yeah. nothing. And it's live and it's, anymore. it's an assembly line thing. It's all right. set up. You come in, throw Act your call one letters comes up in, over act, here. Yeah, right. Act one comes in. They're yeah. in there for ten minutes. Act yeah. two comes in, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's machinery. It's yeah. like clockwork. Well, we had this very drab kind of beige-looking room, which wasn't good for video. But it didn't matter because we wanted it to look you like wanted, we were backstage. Right. It's, it's and Ron, Ron Stevens and Charlie Daniels screwing around backstage. Right. Basically. So I'm sitting behind a table with Charlie Daniels' hat there, and I'm asking him questions, and he's answering me. And the whole premise is, you know, Charlie Daniels is nothing without me. You ever see him on stage without me? No. Mm-hmm. Never. Without me, he's nothing. And it's going on and on. And eventually Charlie shows up and takes his hat. And, oh, Charlie, hi. I was just having a conversation with your hat. He Who, puts were it you on. the voice of the hat? He was. Charlie was. Oh, Charlie was and the voice of the hat. And he did beautifully. I mean, at 83 years old, you thought, all right, this is going to take a while. You know, no. no. He took those lines. He did them with a beautiful Charlie Daniels voice. Well, he'd voice been doing it for 55 yeah, years. right. Well, true, but no. never played the voice 70, of the hat 75 years, of. probably, because yeah. he started really young. He was yeah. on a whole bunch of country. He was playing guitar and fiddle for, uh, like, a long time before he became Charlie Daniels. He was so He was support. For people, and then he did his yeah, own stuff. Yeah, I wish I could remember the name of that song I said I heard on 60s on 6 that was recorded in 55, 1950, released in 1955. Mm-hmm. It was your typical... Uh, Country you know, music. No. It was more like the the Cadillac song, you know, going down the road, and mm-hmm. that, that kind of pacing to it, a little, almost rap, you know? Really? Yeah. Well, sing-talking. Yeah, right, exactly. Like, uh, it was, it was like cool. Harold Hill from The Music Man. <laughs> uh, somebody listening to this knows the name of that uh, song. It Hurts Me? That he wrote that and Elvis did it. Um, he also did. He was a Nashville session musician for Bob Johnson, and he he played on Dylan records in really? sixty nine and seventy. Wow, what a history! He was playing guitar and bass on Dylan's uh, three Dylan albums. Then he was with Leonard Cohen. <laughs> Leonard Cohen. Yep. Oh my God. And then, uh, what did he do with Leonard Cohen? Suzanne? Um, I oh. don't know. His first album, his first solo album, was 1971. Yeah, and it was right after that. He was at the, a couple of years later at the Kite Fly. So we were already uneasy rider playing him, which was a novelty song. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. T- and technically, Devil Went Down to Georgia is a, a novelty, novelty song. song. True, but that's and that's what he's that's his biggest hit. But then he plays a fiddle. He's basically and people just think, oh, he's a fiddle player. He plays a mean guitar. Yeah. That that was the thing. People think of him as a. If you don't really know Charlie Daniels, he's a good guitar player, and it says here he he played bass too. And I well, I wonder though if if it, you know he comes to St. Louis, 
like you say, it's a rock show. It, it is. is. But I wonder if he goes to another town where he's, you know, more country. If he's in see, Nashville. If he, he's if at he the drops, Opry. If he drops the, the heavy guitar and the mm-hmm. heavy drums, you know. Well, and he, was, he also played on some Marshall Tucker albums. Yeah, I think I knew that. Searching for yeah. a Rainbow, A New Life. and where, I mean, and those yeah. are big albums. So, and, yeah, and he was just, I mean, so liked by everybody. Mm-hmm. I, there are so many stories. That, the, the, now, some people didn't like him. I, I don't know anybody well, who didn't no, no, like but him. But, I mean, musically, music, yeah. Musically, musically sure. But, but if you ever met him, well, yeah, you had and to he's, like him. He's very disarming. It doesn't, yeah. don't, don't talk politics with him because right, he, was, right. he was very, he was very, but you know, stereotypical. He's, well, he's not Ted Nugent when it comes to politics. No, he's, no, he's not. He would he's not in your face. He would have he would have an intelligent discussion yes, with you. Yes, and a polite one. Right, so. and he was uh, when he was at River City Casino. My sister, my sister in law, who's in town now, was actually in town then, and my wife and my sister in law and I went to the show, and he. He did not care about me. He talked to my wife and my sister-in-law. He's like, uh-huh. ladies, how are you? And he, he tipped his hat, and he's just a southern gentleman. Yeah, well, the, the, cool. uh, one of the stories told in the bonus tracks of the documentary, uh, Never Say Goodbye, the Casey documentary, was his relationship with the, the Grabman family. Mm-hmm. Because he related to family in general. Right. And uh, he had mentioned that, you know, on the road he misses home cooking. And, and one, I think Alan Grabman, one of the Grabman boys said, well, you should taste my mom's meatloaf. You'd really like it. And he said, I want to do that someday. And I bet he, he did. And he did. He showed up in a white limousine, which was parked <laughs> out front. The neighbors are scratching their heads saying, what the heck's going on here? While well, he's inside eating Emily's meatloaf with the, with the family and enjoying it. Mm. Nice. Yeah. That's a good story. It's a great memory for those kids. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Charlie was, Daniels came to our house. I was at uh, two volunteer gyms that he hosted in Nashville. He did a lot of those. Tennessee, yes. I was just at the 80 and 81, and he, um, uh, that was 80. He had a big tribute to Leonard Skinner because he was really good friends with Ron. Yeah, he... He uh, those jams that he did, the, the volunteer jam, volunteer jam from seventy five, I think it was seventy four yeah. to ninety six. He got Leonard Skinner to reunite to do Freebird, and it was the one and only time that they reunited was for him. To, wow! And he played it with him. I kept a list of other people. I don't know where it is now, but because you didn't know what you did was you showed up, and you didn't know who was going to be there, and it would be. Yeah, whoever he could get. Yeah, it would be three <laughs> hours just straight. So the first year I went, Billy Joel showed up. And what came year was that? On, that was 80, 1980. 80? And uh, Bonnie Raitt was a big factor in those. She was there both years that I can remember. And it was a lot of acts. Uh, you know, they were his friends. And it was, you know, Nashville. So yeah, look, it was this, a, look this up, Carl. Right, How old no, is Bonnie Raitt? Um, well, hold on a second. Here, here's guests that have been at Volunteer Jam: Nugent, Almond Brothers, Marshall Tucker, Billy Joel, Garth Brooks, Billy Ray Cyrus, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Tammy Wynette, Roy Acuff, Carl Perkins, Alabama, Don Henley, Barefoot Jerry, and that's just a couple. Yeah, that was the first time I had ever seen uh, a, a Stevie um, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah, and so because I I'd never heard of him, so then. Uh, he was really good, obviously, and I was like, "Oh, this guy's really good." So then, when he died, it was sad. Oh, they did a big. That was after Toy um, Caldwell. Yeah, died, and two, and so he had a tribute to uh, the Leonard Skinner, and then a tribute to 
uh, Toy Caldwell of Marshall Tucker. And I think the rest of them are, I can't remember. You know, it's 1980, 40 years ago. Yeah, so, right, yeah. Uh, I can't remember. I just remember it was a good time, and we went back the next year. It was so funny. I can't remember what year it, it was, either the first year or second year. We were in this bar in Nashville, and they were playing. There's a bar in Nashville? <laughs> <laughs> Did they have barbecue? <laughs> and we were uh, listening. We were, uh, you know, everybody's dancing. That was when the, that was when the urban cowboy thing was going on. Yeah, and everybody was doing the Texas Two stuff and all that stuff. You know, she's okay. seventy. Okay, she's seventy. She's seventy. So she's a year younger than I am. Mm-hmm. I interviewed her back at Casey. Oh, she's so Did good. Casey play Bonnie Raitt? Yes. Wow. And so I interviewed I her, and I thought that. at that point she was much older than I. Well, it's because she's I, got that white streak in her hair. That does it. Yeah. I it guess does. that does it. Yeah. yeah. And she talked about her dad a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in the she, interview. But man, she was here in the last ten years for sure. Maybe the last five years. She played uh, in Forest Park. At um, was that Fair St. Louis? I think it must have been. Yeah, the years it was in Forest Park. Right. It was three years in a row we had it there. They, she played one of those years. Yeah. And well, she's as good as ever. I'm mean, well, well better. She just right. keeps getting better. She, yeah. She's well, if fabulous. you're a blues guitar, you get yeah, better yeah. with age. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, she was just an opening act kind of back then. You know, people hadn't. She wasn't Bonnie Raitt yet. You know. Yeah. All right. She didn't break up. But I've got to tell the. So we were in this bar in Nashville, mm-hmm. and they're playing "Looking for Love," uh, the Johnny Lee song. And so then they start playing it again, and I'm like, what's going on? So I turn, and there is Johnny Lee singing it. <laughs> oh, wow. He wasn't, he wasn't, it wasn't on the jukebox. It was No, him no, singing. it was him. <laughs> well, yeah, they, someone probably played it on the jukebox because they knew he was there, and then he probably just turned around and sang it. Yeah, yeah. All right, so speaking okay. of things that are 40 years old, the number one movie of the weekend is The Empire Strikes Back. Because, wow. what? because it was in, it, because... Disney let them do it at a whole bunch of drive-ins. So it was at 430-something. I want to say 436. I'm not sure about that exact number. but And it was at the Skyview. So this was legit box office. This was legit. For the first time in 40 years. Well, actually, that's not true because they re-released it in 97. But they... This, Unbelievable! It is. You know, everyone's going to follow that now. Well, yeah, but they, Jurassic Park was number well, one yeah, when it was, Jaws. and Jaws was number one. But now Empire Strikes Back is number one 40 years later Hmm. so that's very funny to me because i i also thought lynn that oh it was a big deal for skyview to get empire strikes back because one week they're going to show star wars but they and that was the only one because they were going to show star wars and empire strikes back and i said what about return of the jedi and then it would seem that this was planned so lucasfilm slash disney could have it out there they just did it this one week so they could say that they did it. Wow. Well, I have a question as a pedestrian moviegoer. Yes. Uh, asking the experts. You guys probably pay attention to movie-making news. Because of, the, of COVID-19, we, movies were not released, and they will some of them be released later. Some of them are being released online. Yeah. But are movies still being made? Uh, not until a month ago. Uh, they started in England, though. Um, I saw a segment... Last night on Entertainment Tonight, the new Mission Impossible, uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman, and something else. And they showed the studio in England and how they're socially distancing and the rules. Mm-hmm. And there's no crowd shots. Crowd shots are all going to be fake now. Yeah. So they have started, but it's mm-hmm. te- it's very tentative right now. And it's all by guidelines. You know, uh, California has really high numbers. 
Yes. Yeah. So, well, but yeah. then things are shot everywhere. I mean, look at but how much stuff is shot in Canada. Vancouver. Yeah. Vancouver. But the question, that really, the, and the question leads into we then will not have a huge backlog of movie releases that suddenly are going to flood the market. No. It'll probably just start picking well, up slowly. A lot of studios have hold, held their stuff back. Right. Like Disney held back Mulan. But, it, and but they're not Black stacking Widow. up because new, although there were a lot of things still in, in post production. Right. That would be done maybe. Yes. But there's nothing, there, there's no new product. No, but they've been shot, holding. Right. And uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenant was supposed to come out this month and now it's coming out we don't know <laughs> so movies are made but the studio and uh warner's keeping back wonder woman they want to make their they even though they've seen what warner released scoob on hbo max and one week after it was available video on demand uh universal did trolls and they made a ton of money that way but they a lot of people want like christopher nolan wants tenant to be seen on a big screen. Which yeah, and that's understandable. But now, some movies, as you pointed out, and, and a few weeks ago, um, John Stewart's movie came out. It's unfair to judge how well you can do in a release when because the movie may not be really that great to start with. Correct. So, uh, is there a good example of a major movie that was released online first because of COVID that did extremely well? No. Hmm. I would say no. Trolls. That's surprising. Trolls. Yeah. Trolls is the only one. Okay. I would say Trolls, but that's a kids' movie. It doesn't. Yeah, right. That I don't know if that counts. I, but well, because Trolls, Trolls was released at the beginning when everyone was still stuck at home, so parents yeah. oh, they were glad to see it. They were yeah. glad to pay their right. twenty, thirty dollars to watch it, and now it's out on DVD already. Hmm. Well, not already, but it's, yeah. But yeah, it, uh, well, it'll the, never the it'll answer, never be on the big screen, right? Yeah, the, well, no, it was on it was in drive-ins. They had it okay, in drive-ins, right. so technically that's the big screen. Okay. But that would be the only one, I would say. Yeah. Trolls. And, and, and I put an asterisk by that. Yeah, because the movie industry has done an admirable job over time of adapting to new situations. Uh, they found out how to safeguard their DVDs mm -hmm. the best can uh, to uh, cut down on um, uh, pirating. Uh, and now they have this. So, you know, the music industry is the same thing. You have to adapt, you know. Uh, but it, it just seems like innovative minds would have found a way, a better way. Here's why I think that hasn't happened. I, mean, I was talking to Joy about this, about something unrelated to the movie industry. But why would you spend a lot of time and money coming up with a way to adapt to COVID-19 when you know deep in your heart that two years from now, It'll be gone. Right. Unless you feel that what you came up with is actually something that can stick and be used from this point on, you know? Right. It doesn't, it's a, it's a temporary, it's a band-aid. It's band temporary, and right. that's the problem. You don't want to spend a lot of money on a band-aid. No, you don't. And so, therefore, that's why everyone says, you know what, we're pushing every, like, for, speaking of concerts, concert, every major act that was going out this year just moved it to next year. Right. And they thought, that'll be enough. We don't know. We don't know all these concerts that yeah, were right, going to go out yeah. in March of yeah. 2020. We don't know what it's going to be like in March 2021. That's right. We, we, it, right well, let's let's say you know at, at that point, and it's not likely, but at that point, is like okay, all's clear. We there's can a vaccine. We can loosen up a little bit more. Yeah, there's a vaccine or a vaccine on the way mm -hmm. or whatever. 
it's the same thing that the, the uh, being part of the Fountain on Locust as a restaurant, what mm-hmm. we're going through with that. You, know, you had to cut you, capacity by half. Yeah, you have to cut your capacity in half. You, you First, you cut all your hours and you start over. Right. But no matter what you do, it means nothing if the customer isn't ready to come back. Right. And I, I went to a concert last night, and I went to one of those drive-in concerts. And it was weird. And some people refuse to wear masks still, even mm-hmm. though they've, and they even said, hey, if you don't have a mask, we will provide you with one. Because if you were going to the bathroom, you had yeah, to you wear masks because mask. you had to right. traverse from where your car was to the porta potties, which they were cleaning down after every single person. Wow. But it would it wasn't sold out. That was the thing. If yeah. it was sold out, then it would have been more of a difficulty. But I think one of the reasons it didn't sell out is because people don't want to leave. Don't they? They're right, not ready right. for it. They're and not ready. you know what? It's probably my wife wanted to go. My daughter wanted to see the act. So my wife said, "If this is going to be," and she hates saying the new normal or the un uh, un unprecedented circumstances or or whatever cliche that we've all heard and we're sick of hearing. Mm. She said, let's go to this so we can say that we went to a concert that was a drive-in concert. And so we did. And that was, it was a thing. I don't know if I would go to one again. Well, see, there it is, Carl, because a concert, even going out to dinner is an experience. Mm -hmm. You can eat at home, you know, but there's an experience that you're paying for as well. And you went, you, because... You know, this is an experience we've never had before, and it won't be here a year from now. Let's do it. Let's hope. You know. Right. But you wouldn't go again. So it's not necessarily, it's not a concert experience. It was 98 degrees outside. Well, you're in your air-conditioned car, though. No, 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 no. You, Everyone has oh, lawn chairs so you out. So you couldn't turn to, to uh, 87.0. No, no, they had speakers everywhere. Oh. And actually, the farther back you were, the better the sound was. Oh, I can imagine. Did they have big screens? They did have big screens, not enough. But they had big screens, and then if you're if you're in a sedan and somebody else is in a Tahoe or mm, yeah, uh, right, yeah. Colorado, you because it's not really a drive-in theater. It right. wasn't designed for cars to be. No, it's a parking lot. Yeah, right. right. Yes, I heard it was uh, hard to get out. No, uh, they were. I told the first night was Brad Paisley, and they said they had everybody out of the parking lot in a half of an hour. Oh, well, that's awesome. Uh, we, since it wasn't sold out last night, I scoped our way out, and we were out within f- seven minutes. Wow. Uh, and then tonight's Nelly. Nelly's on a Sunday night, and he's doing the 20th. It's the 20th anniversary of Country Grammar. So that wow. album. Oh, my God. That album is 20 years old. Oh, my. Now I feel old. So. Yep. And he's he's Cornelius Haynes. But. I, I've always said this. I don't want to see Nelly in St. Louis because in St. Louis, it's too many of his friends coming up on stage. I would like to see oh, Nelly yeah, in a yeah. city other than St. Louis because then I'm actually seeing a Nelly show because he's got too many friends. Uh, and they either come up on stage yeah. or they're in the audience. I'd like to see an actual Nelly show. Okay, let's, let's, without, without making it racist, I'm going to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. If it were, say, uh, Mama's Pride. Mm-hmm. And it were a show like that. Mm-hmm. They also have a lot of friends come up on stage. Wouldn't you enjoy that? Mm. Maybe because you know them. Well, I do know them. Yeah, yeah but yeah. but for pop music's different, and especially yeah. especially rap music. Rap music, you can have somebody come up and do a whole song. Ah, uh, yeah. And yeah. but if if Mama's Pride or let's say uh, Joe Dirt, mm-hmm. they're they're local too. Yeah. Uh, but Mama's Pride isn't going to have. Uh, 
but they, they could. They actually could have uh, the guy from Rock and Share and Poco. Uh, the local guy, uh, Rusty, Young. Rusty, yeah, Rusty Young. They stage, could have Rusty yeah. Young come up and do a Poco song. Yeah, and and it'd be okay. But it's no, it, it wouldn't because I'm not no, there to see. Okay. I'm not there to see Poco. No, see, I'm there. That's to why see, I asked that. I'm not there I to see Poco. I want to see Mama's Pride. Yeah, but if Rusty Young's in the audience, well, of course you're going to bring him up on stage. Yeah, and and he could back you up on a song. Right. Okay. But I wouldn't mind him doing a a, a Poco song but and, that's, and that's, have have keep Mama's Pride up there. You know? I like Poco. I, I, but that, that's not the point. That's not the point. <laughs> no, I mean, I like... But when, I, when Bruno Mars was here last, uh-huh. Ed Sheeran was in the concert, and he came up and did a song. I'm like, oh, that's really great. Yeah. An Ed Sheeran song. I wonder what song I'm missing by Bruno Mars so Ed Sheeran <laughs> could come up. And it... it uh, yeah. But... Yeah. And I then, get it. And then I, I saw it. Ed Sheeran at Bush Stadium, and he was by himself and was an amazing show. And he didn't have any guests come up. He <laughs> did. He did, sing did, the Lego House. That's my no, favorite. No, uh, he he either did leg when he showed up at Bruno Mars. He either did Lego House or uh, the one before that. Uh, the I forget well, he it, his he first single. He wasn't solo no, at Bush Stadium. Yeah, he I mean, was. He had a band. Didn't no, he, he played was, solo for him, that whole show. Him and a guitar. Wow, I mean, I've seen him solo. He's obviously very good at that. But but he I, he had a he had a, a sequencer. But yeah, it's okay. mostly he, he can do. He did most of his songs except for uh, "Shape of You." Uh, that it was just him and a guitar. Oh, unbelievable! Hmm. But at, at Bush Stadium. Yeah, at Bush Stadium. That well, came. for Brad Paisley looked like it was a huge crowd, and they interviewed on the news this couple from Kansas City that brought their kids, and they were all excited because they said, I don't know what it was cost, but they said, for all of us, and we brought our snacks, and we you, brought yeah, our Yeah, they drinks. didn't sell beer, which is really weird because El Monstero, the summer show, is where Riverport, Hollywood Casino Amphitheater, they sell the most beer. Mm. Of any show of that year, and last night they couldn't sell any. Did well, they, have you, they couldn't, or they decided not to. The, I don't think they did on any of the three shows. I think you can, you could bring your own, yeah, but you could not. They were not. Selling. Oh, they didn't want you coming up to it and standing in line, right? And they just and, didn't want to deal with yeah, it because you know that you'd yeah. have to pour it, and it, yeah, they didn't right. want bottles, and they weren't going to sell cans, yeah, because I don't know. I, I, the I well, it was, it was just, uh, that was a. Tough decision for them to make, I'm sure, because the huge profits they have in that. Right. Because you, don't forget, when that place was first built by Irv and Steve, Irv, uh, Shankman, Irv Zuckerman, Steve Shankman, Shank, yeah. they openly admitted that they were just building the, biggest, restaurant. the biggest bar in St. Louis. We're a bar. They said, we are a bar first, mm-hmm. and then we're going to have concerts at this bar to get people here. And Robert Cray was the first person to play out there. Wow. With what opening up show. for Steve Winwood. Great show. But I didn't go to the first one. I went to, <laughs> I went to the one the week after on July second, nineteen. Oh yeah. I went to the Guns N' Roses. The one that shut it down. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But there, there was like, there was like six shows in. Like Mannheim Steamroller was there too, and um, what was that? I, I had the list of uh-huh. like this was either the Guns N' Roses show was either show six or seven. Do you know how they got their par- parking lot paved? Do you ever hear that story? No. Are you guys going to do movie reviews yeah, we before are. this is over? Yeah, we have uh, to. <laughs> I mean, th- you got to admire Urban Steve. They're good businessmen. Obviously, mm-hmm. they were great businessmen. And they and made a lot of money by selling into Live Nation. <laughs> yes, they oh, did. Clear, clear, was it Clear Channel well, that they, they sold they, it to? Well, they went through a lot of names in a short time there, but right. I think it was Clear Channel first. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Uh, in fact, uh, a lot of their staff stayed with Clear Channel. Yeah. And I believe that was part of the New York deal. And, yeah. Um, but they that parking lot for many years was not paved. And yeah, it was gravel. Can, it, yeah. And you can only imagine the cost of paving that parking lot. Mm hmm. Uh, they had a concert ever last done night that on. yeah ever done a like a blacktop anywhere mm. but of course this is something that has to last a long time too right uh, and there's a, a levy local, right there <laughs> after the i think it was the flood of 93 now i could be wrong about that where they canceled the mellencamp show mellencamp was going to do a concert for uh levy the re- oh, relief, yeah, the, the you know relief. It and it got canceled have, it might yeah. not have been the flood it might have been a, a yeah because they were a, a hailstorm okay i think it was that because a, car, a local car dealer had a lot of damaged unsold cars mm-hmm. and they needed to move them off their lot now so minor they, damage they called urban steve and said we need to move our, we need somewhere to put these cars we know you have a huge parking lot there any way we can store any of them there for a while well it's not and uh, i think it was herb who said yes there is a way you pave it and you can put them there so they got it paved for free instead of paying rent for the space amazing it was paved it's good business, it's man. Very good business, and that's why Irv wakes up and golfs. <laughs> that's all he does. <laughs> I visited Irv. I had dinner with him uh, uh, three, which co- three which, years ago. Which coast? Uh, he he has a house in Beverly Hills mm-hmm. at the top of Beverly Hills, up the hill, five acres. He owns five acres. In Beverly Hills. In Beverly Hills. That's not cheap. Wow. No. Uh, <laughs> what was the guy's name? David something who. Was married to Barbara Streisand for uh, no? Was he married to? I don't know. He did. He did the movie Shampoo. Oh, uh, that was uh, John Peters. John Peters. I wrong on my first name. That's right. It was his house. Okay. He bought that house. It's gorgeous, unbelievably beautiful house. Very private. And you have to go through a gate and get through there. And, you know, there's a security guard there, which is not unusual in Beverly Hills. But I mean, up there, it's so private. And. Irv is still, you know, I mean, he, he's definitely retired. Mm-hmm. He's just enjoying his his life, and but uh, as colorful as ever. And Steve is here in St. Louis. Steve is in St. Louis, and we see Steve at the Fountain on Locust with his daughters regularly. He's he's, uh, he's very. They both are living happily ever after. Yes. Hmm. Yes. All right, we're going to talk movies. Thank you for your time, Ron. Thank yes. you. That was fun. I'm sorry I took you guys on a no, huge no, no, hey, time. We it. like the local angles, and we also like the inside uh, look. All right, let's let's knock out some yes. movies. Yes. Well, seven movies opened basically over the weekend. And, um, I saw uh, one of them. And I saw six of the seven because A24 did not send me the link to First Cow. All right, so do you want to talk about the one I saw with you, or do you want to talk about the one you liked the most? Well, um, what do you want to do? Because, I, it doesn't matter. Uh, we could start with the one that we saw the fir- uh, we saw together. All right, then let's talk about The Old Guard on Netflix. This was going to be uh, released in um, theaters, and it was not. It's based on a graphic novel. I'm sorry, comic book. It's based on a comic book by Greg Rucka, and Greg Rucka was... Well, he still is. He is a comic book artist. He worked a lot with DC. He worked with Marvel. He's won three Eisner Awards. He's won. A, he's very feted. He has an amazing career, and this is his own property. I mean, he has done. He's done Wolverine for Marvel. He's done. He wrote the introduction to Crisis for DC. He's written Wonder Woman. He's written Batman. He's done. A, he's done a lot in the comic book world and he's 
very well done. But this was his own original property, um, the old guard. Well, it sounds like they're making it into a franchise. Yeah, they're and, they're trying to. Yes, and he did write the screenplay. He wrote the screenplay, so it's his own. It's his own deal. Um, they don't really discuss the name of the film that much. It stars uh, Charlize Theron and Kiki Lane and Chiatel. Wait, Chiatel Chiatel Ejiofor. I can I can say it when I get it. When and I, Matthias Shainarts. Is that I, I was going to look up how to because we never can get the poor guy's last name right, but I love him. Matthias and he it, and it's the thing that they are making a big deal out of. This is they're calling it a superhero film, but it's it's not really a superhero. They're not really. They just have superpowers. They, they have they have super. But the, this is the first superhero film that is that was directed by an African American woman. Yes, Gina Prince Blythewood, and she did the movie Love and Basketball. And Secret Life of Bees, and this is this is her, uh, this is her. I guess this would be major release popcorn film. Right. Uh, it's a it's a huge action picture. It's very uh, violent. Oh, very violent. And the uh, concept, I give him high marks for this concept. This is a group of immortal warriors. Mm-hmm. They are mercenaries, and they do good in the world, and they've been doing it for centuries. And uh, the, 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 the concept here is they find a new recruit who is Kiki Lane, who is wonderful in If Beale Street Could Talk. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, she's going to be Eddie Murphy's daughter in Coming to America. Right. Anyway, uh, she is a Marine fighting in Afghanistan and she has a horrible death and is miraculously uh, cured and everybody's looking at her like what what happened to you and so the four the gang of four Andy Booker Joe and Nikki and they come to rescue her because they have dreams about her. Yes, they all have dreams about her. Or they have dreams about each other when they're separated. And they have these different places that they stay for centuries. Like they fought in the Crusades. And and uh, they have this cave in France from, oh, I don't know, some conflict mm-hmm. year, oh, centuries ago. And they want her to help them. Uh, they have a pharma guy who is a nerd, like a... He's like a Bill Gates kind of guy, and Stephen Merrick. And we think, he's played by Henry Melling, and we think that he is uh, trying to help save humanity, but he's not. He's it's all baddie. about profits. Mm-hmm. And Chuatel is uh, ex CIA, right? And uh, he is the uh, the conflicted villain, I would say, in mm. this. And so that's where we are in this story. I really like the action and I like those performers a lot it is very I will say this again my wife said I liked this film but it is very, there are a lot of headshots oh there's so much there's a lot of stabbing and, and slashing and ham like axes and and implements that uh, slash mm-hmm. and not necessarily I mean of course there, you got all the machine guns and everything but you really have a lot of that up close combat right uh, they show the wounds because they miraculously heal mm-hmm. that's why they're immortal but 
they're not really immortal, but we're not going to spoil that. You have to watch it. It is two it, you, hours. Their, their, immorta- their immortality can run out. Right, and it just depends on the, uh, the what happens to them. Now, uh, and I, I and I knew how it was going to end. By the way, I knew I knew once they introduce a certain character. I knew exactly how the film was going to. I didn't know it was going to end that way, but I knew it was going to end with that character showing up. I I just knew it because that's what happens in movies these days. You know, like let's say 50 years ago, it wouldn't have ended that way. But But now, since everything has to be a franchise... That's how it has to end. Oh yeah, yeah. There, yeah. There's, there's other people who were immortal, but they lost uh, track of them. Let's put it like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one of the things that I did not like about this movie is it is a rather pedestrian script. I think that it's clunky dialogue. Do you think it would have worked better as a comic book? Or did maybe it does work better as a comic maybe book. it does work better as a comic book because it is just very elementary lines. Mm-hmm. And uh, they well, do. That's, that's the thing with graphic novels and comic books. You don't have that much space to put in a lot of dialogue. Right. So the guy, he, now, you know, oh, he adapted I, I wanna, his own. Go ahead. I want to say one thing. It's Greg Rucka and Leandro Fernandez because you have if you have to give artists the they also created this world too. So Greg Rucka wrote it, but Leandro Fernandez he drew it. Or, oh. Or the illustrate. It, it's a nice look. They spent mm-hmm. a lot of money on this movie. And uh, it's a nice-looking movie. I like the cast interaction. Yes. That's one of the key elements and what you like. And uh, But I just think some of the lines they have to say are really clunky. And they never say why the movie is called The Old Guard. They, ne- they, don't, they never call themselves The Old Guard. They, <laughs> they, never, they never mention the old—I don't think The Old Guard is mentioned in the film one time. Yeah. The setup takes a little— a little bit going, but did you think it was oddly placed music? I thought so. The music? Uh, I actually didn't yeah. notice the music. Yeah. They have, uh, it's it's like pop songs, oh. modern songs, but they put them in weird places. Um, I honestly didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah. And you do have to watch the credits all the way to the end because, of course... You have to see what Carl's talking about. About uh, it, it just totally opens the door for a sequel. Yeah, and but you know what? You don't have to watch the credits all the way through. It's uh, it's technically it's a pre-credit sequel or sequence, so you don't really need to watch it all the way there. But it's on Netflix, so you can just skip ahead. Yeah. Of the six movies I saw, um, this I this was the most violent. It was the most violent, and I would say it was the most. You know, predictable. Um, the but it's, one it's, it's, it's a it's fun in, action yeah, story. Yeah, it's a fun action story. You can't go wrong watching it. It's just pretty much a, a cut, slightly cut above average. All right. That's the old guard. Now let's talk. Um, should we go in alphabetical order, young lady? No, or just the order you haven't. I, mucho, mucho amor, also on Netflix. Well, let me tell you. This guy, Walter Mercado. I had never heard of, and I don't know why I had never heard of him, because he was all over television as the world's most famous astrologist. Really? He was even on, yes, he was even on Howard Stern. Really? Yes. But Howard, Howard's him. weird like that. Howard likes stuff like that. Oh, it's so enjoyable. This guy 
uh, it was Puerto Rican. He was born in 1930. He's uh, very old now. 2019 was the 50th oh, yeah, an- <laughs> anniversary of his uh, fame on television, Telemundo. He became a show. I've got to write this. Down. I wrote this down because I was so enamored with this documentary. It is on Netflix. It's called Mucho Mucho Amor. And that was his last line that he said on all his telecasts. So 19- thanking, thanking whenever they. All right, we'd like to thank Walter Mercado for coming in. Mucho mucho more. Yes, and it's a loving look at the life and legacy of this Latinx icon. Good. And he, uh, 1969, his show Walter the Stars and You. He was on soap operas on Telemundo, telenovelas, as they call them. Mm -hmm. And one day he was on a show and started telling uh, things about astrology because he was always asking people what their sign was. And let me see your hand. uh, Let me read your palm. And he was always doing uh, that. And so they let him on this one show just talk astrology and the phones lit up. So the on guy the telenovel? Yeah, yeah, a telenovel? Oh, 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 on 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 Telemundo on a show. So the guy that owned Telemundo said you have to come on tomorrow and talk about astrology. Okay. And that became his fame. Lin-Manuel Miranda's in the movie and he finally gets to meet him cuz he was down there doing Hamilton, remember, for right. the for the Puerto hurricane Rico. relief. Mm-hmm. And it was like he was meeting a beetle. He was with his dad. He because he probably grew up watching that. Yes, he did with his grandma. He said everybody would watch the show, and if you came into the room, everybody would shush you, that everybody had to be quiet, everybody watched this. It was this huge hit. And then as it's like a behind the music on VH1, those great shows I used to watch every one of them. Well, that means there has to be a downfall in the the halfway Um, point. His manager took advantage of him. Took all his money? Yeah, and so there's. We were all talking that about sh- Billy Joel earlier. It's there's the same all the, thing. Yeah, there's all that drama. He was on Sally Jesse Raphael's show, so I wonder if he was in, in St. Louis. Louis. And uh, he was listened to every day by 120 million people. Wow. Yes, and then he was on Univision, and he was famous for his cloaks, and he was very non-binary. He would never say if he was gay or not. He looked male sometimes and then he looked female sometimes and somebody says in the movie that he has great 70s male hair <laughs> and then kind of grandma hair okay yeah so it's it's just different he went off the air october 3rd 2006 oh he got he got messed up with that psychic friends network oh so they go into that but it is the most delightful documentary of somebody that I didn't know. And I was captivated. It is a little too long. It's two hours. What? Yes. Okay. But but his life is fascinating. It's fascinating. It is. I would highly recommend this. Highly recommend it. And it's well told. And it's a very interesting. And uh, they get to, you know, they ask the tough questions. They don't shy away from anything. And he's just, he's just a unique character. All right. Let's move on to Apple Plus. And, oh, yeah, the biggest star in the world is now doing press for Greyhound. Tom Hanks in another World War II movie. Yeah, but in Saving Private Ryan, he is on the ground. This is on the sea. 
I really <laughs> so what? Well, I but it's America's dad, national treasure, Tom Hanks. He is a commander of this destroyer, uh, nicknamed Greyhound, because it's really the USS Keeling. And this is based on the Battle of Atlantic. This is 48 hours on this destroyer. And I was not familiar with this battle, or maybe in history class, I was in, you know, who knows. But he it's no frills. It's all action, all battle on this ship. They are in a part of the ocean called the Black Pit in the North Atlantic. This is where uh, he, his destroyer had to protect 37 ships of supplies and troops as they made their way to Liverpool. And there was this period where there was no air cover. Okay. So these German U-boats are in the deep, and he has to protect. Now, the the concept here, he plays Captain Ernie Krause, who was a real person. Of course. And he it's his first crossing. It's his first mission. Why would they give that to a rookie? I know. So Tom Hanks has to be all heroic and try to hide that he is scared. Scared scared because and he's constantly second guessing himself he's the captain now yeah and he's the uh the um so his sense of duty he's a very thoughtful religious man sense of duty (laughs) it's got a good supporting cast Uh but they pretty much waste them that's the only thing about this movie i really like the action my dad was in during the korean war my dad was in the navy my uncle was in the navy I, it puts you, you are there. It has such a you are there feeling that you understand what these young CBs had to do back in the day. And I think if you have any experience, military families are going to love this because it's just so by the book. It's so um, action packed. And there's this gray, choppy water. And what not, what a good element is, is they have the, this German U boat captain taunting. Tom Hanks over the radio wires is like trash it's like trash talking and it's like uh Mike Myers character on uh was it Dieter Dieter uh, yeah and Dieter on it's like it's, it's like a it's like a co- co- combination of that taunting now is the time on sprockets when we dance and uh it's and and so at one point Tom Hanks just makes him turn off the radio. But the supporting cast has his son Chet Hanks as one of the Navy dudes, okay. and uh, Stephen Graham, who we love so much. Mm-hmm. Um, he's so good in The Irishman as Tony Pro. Yes, he plays the navigator uh, to Tom Hanks's captain, and he's very loyal, and he really saves the day. And he's it's just a simple, straightforward part. And then Rob Morgan, who we love so much in Just Mercy, yeah, is the guy on Death Row. Yes, he plays a messmate named Cleveland, who's very loyal to the captain. But I would have there's liked an African American on the this ship in, in the kitchen. Okay, in, <laughs> in the, the ki- okay. Well, I mean that's you know I mean I'm that's sorry. probably true to life. It's I'm sorry that's just yeah mm-hmm. true to life. So it's it's only ninety one minutes. Yeah, Does that's, it that's another thing. Yeah, no, it's very tidy. 91 minutes. It zips along. That's another thing. I watched a bunch of 90-minute movies that I really enjoyed because they were just taut and nice. This one has a lot of tension. I in, I just enjoyed because I didn't know what was going to happen, mm-hmm. and there's some real tense moments. But 
I do think it falls short on character development. Who's Elizabeth? Why? There's a woman on the no. boat? No. Uh, there's a, in the beginning, there's a, there's a setup. Mm-hmm. He is in San Francisco. He just got his assignment. You've got to remember this. February 1942, it was like two months after Pearl Harbor. Right. So this is when it takes place. So he's meeting Elizabeth Shue, his girlfriend, in uh, a lobby of a hotel. And uh, he asks her to marry him. And she says, oh, this is such a crazy world. Let's just wait until the war is over. And so he just has these flashbacks thinking about her. But that's all it is. is and she's in it so briefly. But she looks amazing and for 56 yeah amazing and then uh but he's you know it's tom hanks Mm -hmm. and he was captain phillips and and he's just you know mr source of strength and america's hero and so how are you gonna doubt him but i just enjoyed it as for what it was and so I heard it was kind of bland, but it was really well shot. Well shot, yes. Well, I think it's bland because it's just about the Battle of the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mess around with given subplots. We don't have much character development. Like I said, I would have liked to see more of that. But for the action, really good action. Okay. So then let's move to the other platform. Uh, let's see. We've gone to Apple Plus. At do you think Palm Springs would have worked on Disney Plus, or is it too? There's a reason it's on Hulu. Yeah, it's got some sex in it. So, yeah, Palm Springs, Andy Samberg, Kristen Malati, J.K. Simmons, Simmons and <laughs> Peter Gallagher, and Peter Gallagher in a Groundhog Day kind of thing. Except, except one person having a Groundhog Day, or like the Natasha Leone uh, Russian Doll, instead of one person reliving. Groundhog Day, it's a group of people reliving the same day or sequence of events over and over, correct? Yes, because they went in this cave. And how, how many of them are reliving the, is it a I'm day? Not gonna, I'm not going to, it's November 9th. It's uh, Abe and That's my wife's birthday. Tala's, oh, it's Abe and Tala's wedding. Okay. This is so you, it, fun. It's a, that's part of the mystery, how many people are reliving yeah, the same day? Yeah, I don't want to okay, give too much fine, away. That's fine. I don't want to give any I spoilers. Wanna I don't want to give any spoilers away because it's so much fun. This movie, first of all. Okay, so so Greyhound was supposed to be theatrically released. Was Palm, do you think Palm Springs yes. was supposed to be released? Yes, because okay. it was, it was at Sundance. Okay. It was a huge hit at Sundance. It's a, a delightful rom-com, but it's got an edge. Okay. So because it has that edge, it might not be for... Uh, That's why it's Disney. on Hulu, not Disney+. Plus. Yeah, and it has it has an R rating for sexual content. Really? Yes. Uh, language throughout drug use and some violence. Violence? Yeah. Well, just a little. But... Um, but it's adorable. First off, right away, and if you know Andy Samberg, you know about his lonely island. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have this picture, just like the graphic for Sony Pictures Classic, mm-hmm. but it's Lonely Island Classics. Oh. That's what starts out. So that made me laugh. So Andy Samberg is this glib guy. He's with this girlfriend. And unfortunately, his girlfriend named Misty, mm-hmm. Meredith Hagner, looks exactly like evil Barbie uh, uh, <laughs> Kayla McEnany. All right. So that's a that's kind of sad. But that's she is a total ditz, yeah. total ditz, 
his girlfriend, you can tell they're not having a good day, and she's going to be in this wedding. So she is at the reception, and he's in a Hawaiian shirt. He's not dressed up, and he gives the he takes away the mic um, because the the maid of honor, Krista Milati, is the bride's sister. She and, is. The, she was the mother on How I Met Your Mother, right? For the final and, season, and also. Uh, Tony nominated for once. And, oh, yeah. And she was also um, in Black Mirror uh, in the Emmy-nominated uh, episode. I think it was the Star Trek parody one for Black Mirror. I'm not I'm not sure, but I know she was the mother on How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, she is delightful. And in once she just has this innocence and in other t- uh, parts, but she has an edge here. She is the one who uh, is, is the screw-up in the family and her dad is Peter Gallagher and he calls her peanut. Well, they're wanting mm-hmm. her to get up there to do the the speech. The maid of honor speech. But she won't. So Andy Samberg takes the mic and he gives this great speech about if you were lost, now you're found and goes through the whole, you know, it's just this whole metaphysical thing about life, not being alone. And June Squibb plays huh. the Nana and she comes up to Andy and she goes, that is the best speech I've ever heard at a wedding. So it was nice to see June Squibb because, you know, she is from Vandalia, Illinois. Oh, really? And, and, we, and we like her. But anyway, she hooks up with Andy. Uh-oh. They are great together. And then uh, she has the same thing happen. So it's about her trying to deal with the Groundhog Day type, the infinite time loop and Andy by now is very cynical about it. And it's just JJ JK Simmons is just hilarious. He's actually the one that kind of starts the whole thing. But it's just fun. So not everybody at the wedding knows that they're in a time loop or no. only a certain few. Yeah, only a certain few. And so it's uh it's really funny. It is for it's not first time directed. Max, oh I wrote down his name. Barbacow. Yeah, I never heard of this guy. He did Grill Dog maybe, and he did. It's some, his directorial debut. Yeah. He also um, uh, he also came up with the story with Andy Ciara, who wrote the screenplay. Right, and they're first-timers, and it's just so funny. It's not like, oh, here we are again with a Groundhog Day thing. They make it very inventive and fun and different. Mm-hmm. And Andy Samberg and Kristen Milati are so likable together. It's really fun. So it's 90 minutes. It's enjoyable. I just had a ball watching it. It's laugh out loud funny. And that's all you're going to say? Because I hear the less you know about it, the more you'll like it. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's all. Because if you watch the trailer, then I pretty much just told you what's in the, you know, that, that so that I wouldn't spoil things. Cause all right. It, yeah. Good. All right. So now let's go to IFC Relic. What is Relic? Rel- I don't know anything about this. Relic is an IFC Midnight. <gasps> Ooh. So, you know, they can be a tad strange. Mm-hmm. I really like this movie. This is another first-time writer-director. Wow, you, you liked everything you I saw know, this week. I know. That's good. And and uh, uh, the, although there are, you know, there's various shades of B, I would say. Okay. Um, this is directed by Natalie Erica James, another An- female. Ooh, female director. I know, and writer. 
Uh, it's set in Australia. Oh. It is really creepy. And it's uh, basically like a haunted house. Emily Martimore, who is in Mary Poppins Returns. Yes, and, she's Mary and Poppins. quite a few other good movies. She's The Newsroom. Yes, yes, she's so good. So uh, Robin Nevin plays this 80-year-old mother who lives alone in a remote part of Australia in an old house because they always got to be old. Well, yeah, why wouldn't it be? And it sets it up really creepy in the beginning, so you think, what's going on? It's, it's the, ha- the house is haunted. Well, she disappears, so Emily Mortimer is her daughter, and she comes to look for her along with her daughter, played by Bella Heathcote. Okay. So we got the matriarch, we got mom and daughter. Three generations. Three generations. All of a sudden, she uh, the that uh, Bella Heathcote. Yeah. She was the ex girlfriend in Fifty Shades Darker. Uh huh. And she's also in something else. I can't. I uh, Professor her. Marston and the Wonder Woman. He, she was in that too. Yeah, I looked her up. She's got a lot of good credits. She's she's good. They're all all very good. Robin Nevin plays the matriarch, and she is a contemporary of Mel Gibson and Jeffrey Rush and all those people that went to that Academy of Dramatic Arts in Australia. She was in Matrix Reloaded I and know. Matrix Revolutions. I know. that's And I noticed that in Top of the Lake. Okay. If people have seen that. Oh, Top of the Lake. Is that the Elizabeth Moss? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, turns out she has dementia. Mm-hmm. And this becomes this... This reflect this uh, meditation on dementia, like the things happening, is it like supernatural or oh, is it? So it's a horror movie, but you don't know if because you can't trust anything Grandma says, right? Or does or okay. the weird way she's acting? Wow, that's interesting to make dementia a horror film. That's an interesting. It is. I thought so, and it, so it consumes the family home. Okay. And it's very fascinating. Again, I'm not going to tell you, but I had a jump scare in the first 10 minutes and then another one 10 minutes later. So I was just like, whoa. And it's 90 minutes, so it's tidy. Mm-hmm. Another 90-minute film you watched. Yes, kept me on the edge of my seat. I really enjoyed it. Well, no, we didn't see First Cow. I, I, I don't want to see First Cow because the, the premise of it looks so silly to me and i watched the trailer and i said uh no <laughs> because there's so many films to watch and just because this old mining community gets a cow i don't think that's an interesting enough story for me well it's gotten really good reviews because i was going to go to the screening of it back when we were doing that mm-hmm. and then it was on a day that i have a lot of news deadlines okay. so i couldn't make it but uh, I'm sure we'll see it again because they're relaunching it. Some places, like Relic, is going to be in at drive-ins, some drive-ins, and then also theaters that are open. Um, right. I didn't uh, check the Galleria list, but uh, according to, you know, Tom Stockman, they were playing that horror movie Becky, so maybe it's there. Maybe the and and some drive-ins are doing midnight shows because, well, yeah. Because you should, you know. Before we get out of here, I know, and there was a lot of things because we talked so long with Ron. Let's talk about the St. Louis um, 
Film Festival. Yeah. The St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase. There was a movie. Did you watch the Little Italy? I did. The Hill? I really enjoyed let's talk, it. Let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. Summer. Okay. So St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase is running now through July 19th, and I highly recommend you see part of it. There's various well, ticket like your packages. Son's, your son's yes. movie. Dad Eat Dog comedy, uh, a very dark comedy short, is in the uh, narrative comedy program. 109 minutes and you'll see it and you'll see a Q&A with my son Charlie and I about the making of the film and uh, so that's that and then we have all sorts of other packages and one of the full length feet one of the full length movies is a documentary called The Hill America's Last Little Italy I my I my great grandparents started the Misericordia Society in 1920. This is their 100th anniversary, oh. and it was for Sicilians. And I always wondered why my great grandparents never lived on the hill. This movie explains to me why they never lived on the hill, and it's a very interesting story uh, about the Italian immigrants who came from most of them from Milan came to the United States and worked on the quarry on the hill and they stayed there and they are still there and it is very hard to get a piece of property on the hill it is and it's 52 square blocks mm -hmm. uh there, it's all about they're built they're building new townhomes right now yes which I've seen because they tore down the bridge <laughs> I do enjoy going to Adriana's for a sandwich. I like Guido's across the street. And I do like Guido's. I, well, I, thought, who, I had Guido's last wrong. night. You can't go wrong. Right. With any place. But on true. The, and then Missouri Charlie Bakery. Gito's, I go. Uh, you got to have cash. You got to <laughs> remember when you go to Missouri Bakery. You got to have cash. Milo's. And, um, oh, Milo's is, is great. Favazza's. You, Dominic's, Ragazzi's, uh, and you know what? That Genetos. that was the cutesy part that I thought was dumb at the at the end. Of course, we're going to talk about the food. That, I thought that was cheesy. Yeah. Well, one of the interesting things. Well, the whole the whole concept of the hill was the the immigrants were focused on church, their work, and their family. They didn't talk about St. Al's. There were more than the St. Ambrose wasn't the only church. Right. Right. The, uh, there was. St. Aloysius was there, and I want to say there was another one, but I don't remember. But I know St. Aloysius was, that was the other Catholic church. There were lots of Catholic churches in that uh, 52 block. Well, one of my friends, one of my colleagues at the St. Louis Globe Democrat, he moved there, and he had to get permission from St. Ambrose to move there, and he was not Italian. Ooh. But he was very Catholic. Okay. He worked at the review. So I think they gave him a they pass. They gave him a dispensation? <laughs> they, yeah, they gave him a pass. But uh, I really enjoyed this. And Carl, I found out from Chris Clark that people from Italy are signing up to watch the movie. Yes. Isn't that awesome? Yes, it is. It is awesome because they talk to, they talk to a lot of people. Um, it's very selective who they talk to. But they also, uh, they also talk to my friend... New York actor uh, Larry Romano who now lives on the hill and he's in it for just a little bit at the end but he's saying because he's from New York and he's saying how, uh, Little Italy in New York is now uh, Chinatown <laughs> and this that's why the subheading of this movie is 
America's last Little Italy. Well, I will tell you, I was at Little Italy in New York twice, and I was underwhelmed because I think the hill is so superior to that in terms of the restaurants, the quality of the restaurants. I was like, what? We can get better food at the hill. Exactly. And uh, Joseph Puglio is the director Mm -hmm. of this film. One of the beautiful things about... uh, the St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase this year is it's virtual. Mm-hmm. So you just go to their website, Saint, cinemastlouis.org, get your tickets that way. You have 24 hours. You can watch it two, three, four times. Uh, you can watch it any time of the day or night. You don't have to like go to the Tivoli at 7 o'clock on no. Tuesday to well, watch this Well, this, this one would have been sold out. They would have had to have a second showing right. of this because it would have sold out. Right. Well, my, my son, Tim, uh, he had three previous movies in the comedy shorts program Mm -hmm. and i remember always going to the tivoli for that particular thing and you sit through all of them together and uh yeah and so the awards ceremony is july 19th and it's going to be virtual too so i'm hosting a zoom party for the cast and the crew and everybody so we can talk about it but i would highly recommend so you got to support local filmmakers that's well, just what my what wife liked about this was it was positive even though they mentioned a couple negative things about this it was very very positive about the area about what these people did on the hill and uh, i i can take some things being an italian american uh i can take some things um within context and could say how some people say that the hill is kind of exclusionary (laughs) But that it's it's a very positive film and it's good for the area and I and I know a lot of people that are in this this film. It's it's interesting some of the former Hill resident, current Hill resident because they have to make that dis- distinction that they don't live there anymore. Right. Well, it's just you know the first thing I remember when I was a a, a young child was the the uh, fire hydrants were painted. In red, the, the red, Italian flag, white and green, and, and you know who doesn't go to the hill? It's just one of the things. Like um, my son Charlie, that lives in New York, you know, when friends of his come to somehow come to St. Louis visit, he always tells them, "You got to go to the hill. These are the places you should try to go." That's just one of those things that it, the authentic St. Louis experience. You have to go to the hill. Right. It's one of those things. Now, before we end uh, the day, I just let's just bring up. A couple things that are going to be this week. So next week, and we'll talk about everything else. Mm-hmm. But this week, we have the 30 Rock reunion special on July 16th at 7 o'clock on NBC, mm-hmm. which I cannot wait for. And then the next day, it's going to be on Peacock, which is streaming, which starts July 15th. That's the right. NBC streaming service. And I think they're giving it to people for free for a little bit. Uh, there's several tiers of it. You can get the free version, or you can get pay for the. Uh, there's a there's it's a tiered subscription package. And uh, we also have a starting on HBO Max is Alex Winter, former St. Louisan, mm-hmm. his documentary called Show Kids, right? Showbiz Kids, Showbiz Kids, and it's yes. about. Uh, the life of child actors. 
Right. And my friend Peter Larson at the Orange County Register interviewed him and talked to him and said this wasn't in his story. But he said, Alex, because his mom taught at WashU in the dance department. And so every time they needed a kid for one of the theater productions, they would say, hey, Alex, you want to be in the show? Yeah. So so that that was fun. I interviewed him at the uh, St. Louis Film Festival, but we'll talk about that next week. But yeah, he's doing really good documentaries. And then, of course, he's got the Bill, Bill and Ted, Ted uh, number three coming up. The um, uh, One of your favorite movies, Star Wars, A Solo Story, is now available on Disney+. Plus. Yes, it is. Uh, Hamilton has broken. Disney hasn't released the numbers yet, but their uh, subscriptions mm-hmm. went up 74%. And if you, if you are looking more Hamilton content... Uh, uh, if you click on the right below it, Robin Roberts from Good Morning America has a documentary with Lin Manuel about uh, more about Hamilton. So if you want that, and and we highly recommend turning on closed caption. And yes, you can turn on because then you can follow every single word. And my friends, the Larussos, are going to be mad at me if I don't mention that their restaurants on the hill too. Even though it's not on the hill, they live on the hill. And it is the very edge of the hill. So that do you can do you consider Larusso's on Watson part of the hill? I, I I do because they do, and they're they're Italian and they live on the hill. So that's, okay. Well, I will I will uh, uh, rephrase that then. All righty. Yeah, that part of Watson I like because well, Marcellus Trattoria is on there too. Right. But and, that is, uh, yeah, they got a different place. Um, another thing to bring up is on Tuesday, if you're really looking for new stuff, Capone's going to be available. Uh, that is that mo- the Tom Hardy one? Uh, yeah, that's the Tom Hardy one on, uh, yeah, so you can get that red box, whatever. Curb Your Enthusiasm season 10, which is hilarious. It's going to happen. And then Resistance, which I, I, uh, uh, talked about because it's just jesse eisenberg as marcel marceau mm-hmm. and scoob i watched it i watched scoob yeah and unfortunately we have to say uh, uh condolences and just very much sadness to two deaths this week besides charlie daniels who lived a wonderful great life these two people who died this week uh, had so much more potential to give, and it's really sad. Nick Cordero, mm-hmm. which is just so sad, 41 from COVID, and the tributes. We all got to know him through his wife's social media, keeping us informed of his progress. And he was a bright light. And Zach Graff was, Zach Braff right. was his best friend. And so he's saying more about it. And then Naya Rivera from Glee, she was taking her four-year-old son on a boat ride in California, and she didn't make it back to the boat. Um, but still and speaking of speaking of both the hill and uh, deaths, Charlie Gito passed <gasps> That's away. That's right. That's right. And Bill Giannino also passed away. He had the uh, the Giannino family of restaurants, which is interesting because in in the Hill documentary. It's the last appearance of Kim Tucci. Oh. Well, not the last appearance, but he's in this film. And then my wife's like, he passed away. Like, he must have done this right up until he died. And so that's had some legends in the restaurant business in St. Louis die this past year. So it, it all ties together. 
Yes. Well, Nick Cordero, I just want to say, he mm-hmm. went in with COVID. and For he, a long time. And, and it was... Uh, Prolonged. He, he got septic shock. And he lost, he lost a, a leg. leg, leg, and then his lungs went, and he was going to need a double, uh, double lung transplant. lung transplant. So it's really sad. And he was only forty-one. So I guess in ending, we need to say: wear your mask, mm-hmm. social distance, and please wash your hands because the numbers today are shattered mm-hmm. all across the United States, and our area has really uh, peaked. Uh, They're thinking of renaming spiked. a theater, uh, Nick Cordero. Okay, and also, if you're going to swim, uh, wear a life vest, because that's probably what happened to the... Naya. Naya Her son was, uh, Four was wearing old. his, which is good, which is really sad. It's just, 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 we've had so much sadness. 2020 sucks. I know. We've had so much sadness. That's why if uh, Palm Springs can give you a few little laughs and curb your enthusiasm, season 10, uh, we just got to try to make some, what, light in a, mm-hmm. uh, be beacons of light in a really dark time. But other than that, yes. we'll talk to you next week and we'll try to be more positive. <laughs> and we have a lot to talk about. We this. will. Yeah. So thanks, Carl. I'm Lynn Van House. You can find me on all the socials and I'm on KTRS every Thursday night at 1030 with Ray Hartman, St. Louis All in the Know. And I'm in the Webster Kirkwood Times online only. And I have my own website, poplifestl.com. My name is Carl Middleman. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Carl the Intern. I was on Max on Movies last night, but normally you'll find me on the Intercom family of radio stations, KMOX, KFTK, YNED, KZK, and sometimes now 96, but not a lot on that. But I'm here with Lynn, and thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye. Stay safe.